Hello and welcome back to She Is Me. This is your host, KB Divine. And as always, thank you for taking the time to tune in with us on today. I want to say happy early Valentine's to all of the listeners. And to those of you who are single or you're not dating at the very moment, I want to say don't get worked up about Valentine's Day. It's just one single day because our focus overall for this year is quality over quantity, which means that even if you're dating, Valentine's Day should be every day, not just on February the 14th. So keep that in mind, ladies. It's just one little day. And we're talking about self-appreciation, self-love, all of that. Get some girls together. Y'all go link up, go to the movies, go out, get something to eat, or better yet, you know, just chill because you're not missing out because I promise you the wait time in any restaurant is going to be at least 45 minutes to an hour. And if you're like me, I just rather not. Let's just skip that day or let's just do something at home because I don't have time to be out all night waiting in line for an hour just to sit down to eat. Right? So moving right along. Um, today's episode is titled Finding Your Way Out of the Dark. This is a personal segment because it's coming directly from the heart and mind of yours truly, myself, KB Divine. For those of you who don't know me, um, I consider myself to be somewhat of a perfectionist. That's one of my weaknesses. I would say that I'm my worst critic. I often pride myself in trying to get things perfect, which is, we know there's no such thing as getting it perfect, but hey, that's just me. I try to make sure that it's, even if it's not perfect, that it's to the point where there's not much that can be critiqued or has to be redone. And um, I'm a hard worker and I stand strong and resilient in a lot of things and I have done so, but hey, that's just who I am, a little bit about me. As I said earlier, this is a personal segment I wanted to share with you, um, finding your way out the dark. On November the 27th, I got a call from my father. He told me that he needed me to come and see him. He expressed that I did have to come right then, right that afternoon, because I think I received the call. It was probably around about two o'clock that evening. But he was like, you know, don't come see me today or tonight, but make sure you come see me as soon as possible. I need to talk to you. So, of course, you know, when you get phone calls like that, you immediately begin to somewhat worry or wonder, like, what is going on? So I became somewhat sick to the stomach. To take you back a little, um, probably two or three weeks prior to that, my father had been in the hospital for a little over a month in Mobile, and I got a call at work saying that, you know, he had been in the hospital for a little over a month, and that he was down there by himself, I need to go see him, and he really didn't want me to know because he didn't want me to worry. So immediately after I hung the phone up, I called my dad at the hospital, he answered, I said, you know, dad, you know, why haven't you called me? which I knew something was wrong because his routine had changed. Because even though, guys, my mom and my dad divorced probably when I was around the age of 11 or 12, my dad and I, we always had a relationship. And he was the type of dad where every morning at 4.30, I would say he was my first alarm clock. He would always send me a text. And it would be the same text, guys, every single morning. He would always say, good morning, baby girl. Be careful on the highway, drive safe, and be nice to your students today. And he would always put LOL. 
And 4.30 was the key time because that was the time I would get up in the morning to prepare to go to work. And usually at 4.30, he would be leaving home in order to get to work. So it was kind of like a common time that we had. But every every morning at 4.30, he would send me that text. And every Sunday, we would talk. Every Sunday, we would call, talk to each other that evening, preferably probably around 5 or 6, what have you. But anyway, moving right along with the story. Um... I went down to see my dad and immediately when I walked in the house, I could see sickness and death on him, okay? I could sense the spirit of death was all over my dad and I became so sick, guys. And I never even shared this with anyone, but I became so sick. I remember after I left that left his home that day, I had to pull over at the stop sign at the end of his road because I had to vomit. I was just that sick. My dad had become terminally ill to the point that he couldn't even put on his own socks. I had to help him put his socks on with just within just two weeks of time of me visiting him the last time at the hospital. So at this point, I knew it was serious. I knew that, you know, hey, time is time is ticking. So, you know, all the way down the road, I, I'm, I'm crying, I'm praying, I'm asking God, you know, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me right now? What did I do wrong? Because in the midst of this dealing with my dad, I have been dealing with some other things as well. So I, I was fighting with a lot of things, okay? So even with that being said, time passed on, December the 13th, I was at work. I was doing lunch duty, as a matter of fact, and lunch duty at a high school is very noisy, guys. It's, it's very noisy. So the phone rang, and I stepped outside the back exit door to answer. And on the other end, the voice was telling me that, you know, my dad had taken a turn for the worse, and that if I wanted to see him, I need to get there as soon as possible. But don't drive fast and be speeding down the road. Just try to come as soon as I could. So immediately I, I went and I told the secretary, you know, what was going on. And I had to leave. So I, I ran to daycare, picked my baby up, and we're headed down the road. Driving down the road, I, I got that gut feeling, that same feeling that I felt when I walked in the house that day. And I told you I could sense the spirit of death was on him, okay? So when I got there, um, I went back to the room. His breathing was very faint. And his eyes, they were barely open. So I said, Dad, you know, I'm, I'm, I really hate that you're like this. And I, I prayed for him, and I held his hand, and I kissed his forehead. And I told him, I said, I know that you've been waiting on me to get here. And I know that you're tired and that you've been fighting this a long time. But I'm going to be okay. You can go if you need to go. And probably within five to eight minutes after I said that and I sat there in the chair and I held his hand for a while I went outside to my car to get my son's diaper bag and when I walked back in he had gone guys let me tell you something that right there really shook me okay that broke my world up because of the simple fact I thought I was prepared I thought I was prepared for his death because I had been praying. 
I had been fasting. I had even um, asked a few of my close friends, you know, to fast and pray with me for his recovery and his health. And I, I was believing and expecting God, you know, to turn this thing around. And in the process of that, I, I lost myself. I, I was in a in a dark place. I felt isolated. Kind of had withdrawn myself because I didn't know what to think. And in the process of this, I had to be strong. I had to be strong, you know, um, not just for myself, but because I was the one who had to, you know, take care of the barrier arrangements. Plus, I have a son, you know. At the time, my son was one. I have a one-year-old. And, you know, he needs his mom. I have a husband. He needs his wife. You know, I'm an assistant principal. The school needs me. So I kept every day just waking up, getting up, just going through the motion of putting on this mask of, oh, I'm good. How are you really? Oh, I'm fine. But on the inside, I was dead. On the inside, I was dead because I really couldn't shake the idea that my dad is gone. He is forever gone. At 61 years old, he is dead and gone, guys. Okay? Now, I'm not truly over it. And I still have my moments where I might have a little meltdown here and there. If it's mm, his birthday or I might something might cross my mind that reminds me of him or, you know, certain songs that he would listen to growing up. But I had to remind myself as I travel out of that dark place that a lion is still a lion, even in a cage. And that's what I felt like. I felt like I was caged in this area of frustration, of grief. I was caged in because I pretty much I wanted to be caged in. I had withdrawn myself because of the simple fact I needed I needed that time alone to try to, to regroup and refocus and set myself apart for what had happened because I still had to go on. I still had to push through everything that had taken place. And the crazy part about it is most of the time when you find yourself in a dark place like that, your mind will become your biggest threat. And I often think of my grandmother used to say things like, the uh, idle mind is the devil's workshop. That is so true. And I can attest to that, especially going through my father's death, simply because of the fact that, hey, I remember saying, you know, people would, they were, they were extremely sympathetic to me. They were sending me, you know, the, I'm praying for you text. Let me know if there's anything you need me to do. And a lot of times I would read those messages. I would automatically press delete, delete. I don't want to see this. I'm tired of you saying you're praying for me. I'm tired of you texting me, feeling sorry for me because you don't know what it feels like or you don't know what to say. And sometimes, you know, people just don't know what to say. I, I had to learn that too. Um, <laughs> not in a mean way, but people just don't know what to say, especially if they've never experienced it. Or sometimes I think they kind of felt like, because I would get questions like, oh, your mom and dad wasn't together. Yeah, they were divorced, but they still my dad and we still had a relationship. So a lot of times it's just, you know, they said the wrong words and offered the wrong advice. And I had to find my own way out. And I had to remind myself of who I was. I had to remind myself of the strength that I housed within because of the simple fact I knew that deep down my dad did not want me to continue to live my life in a spirit of unhappiness, uh, feeling withdrawn, like I said earlier, being isolated from others. And I could just remember the, a brief conversation we had prior to him getting sick when I asked him why didn't he tell me that he was severely sick and he told me simply because 
you have to live your own life and you have your own child and you have your own family and CJ needs his mother. And that was pretty much my pretty much my light that I, I used to guide me out of that tunnel. Even though some mornings on the way to work, I would have to have praise and worship in the car. Or sometimes I had to call my friend. I had a friend who had lost her mom probably about four or five years earlier. And um, I had to call her sometimes. I called her a lot. Even now, we, we're still close. And she'll say, you know, Keela, you have to take it one day at a time. And you have to find what works for you. I can't tell you how to get over it. But you have to push forward. You have to push through. And I will watch how she came over out of her situation and how she dealt with her mother's death. And it was still fresh. And even though, like I said, my dad has been dead a year now, it's still fresh. But now I'm able to talk about it. Um, it still hurts from time to time, but I'm stronger now. And when I said that a lion is still a lion in the cage, I was still that same Keela. Even though I had been bruised, I had been wounded, I was still that same Keela who was built to stand strong in her faith and firm in what she believed in. And guess what, guys? I'm moving on. I'm, I'm moving forward. I, um, I still miss him from time to time, but however... So on those days, sometimes I might take his picture and I just put it on the wall and I sit down in the room and I just talk to him like he's still there. Or I write letters to him and as soon as I'm done, I straight up put it in the trash. But however you cope, guys, with whatever that you're dealing with, I want you to remember who you are. And you have to travel out that dark place. Even though you don't have a light, you're going to have to find what it is to light your way through whatever it is that you're dealing with. Now, I was going to do a different topic for today's podcast, but for some reason, I don't know, this was on my mind to just share this today. And I'm sure a lot of us that are listening, we're dealing with some things. I don't know if it's recent deaths or maybe some sickness of family members or what have you, but I want you to know that you have to travel out that dark place. And even in the midst of traveling out your dark place, don't forget your strength. I love you guys, and I'm getting ready to sign off because it is, what, about 4 o'clock here, and I have to get ready for next week. I have meetings Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and we have after-school program starting this week, so, hey, I want to be getting home to super-duper late, and um, I have to get started on next week's plans, but guys, have fun this week, and don't forget what I told you about that little measly Valentine's Day. It should be Valentine's Day every single day, and this is the year about focus on self. It's about self-love, self-gratitude, and I'm signing off. Have a great one.